Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. I also welcome those of you who are watching at home by internet. However you make in contact with this service, we welcome you. And we pray that the good God of heaven will give you a revelation of his will and understanding of his word. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, give me all the help you can. Because I need it. I'm asking you, God, I'm not being demanding, I am just being specific. Give me all the help you can through your spirit. I renounce self, glory, and pride, and offer myself for your service for this hour. Use me to your glory, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I had to change the title. Because as I spoke to people, as I observed developments at this meeting, it became necessary for me to make a change. So I will no longer speak on good for something. Our subject for this evening is the 51st state. What did I say? The 51st state. Over the past 100 years, colonial powers have been losing their colonies or have lost their colonies. Major colonial powers like England, Germany, France, Spain, particularly Portugal, have lost their colonies on the continent of Africa, parts of Asia. There has been a movement in colonies to govern themselves. The age of imperialism presumably is past. The age of expansion by military might is supposedly gone for a while. Because if Jesus delays his coming, that behavior will return. Because the carnal mind does not change. It only gets worse. Countries love to expand their territories. It allows them more resources, more, a greater population, a greater workforce. And this is no different with God. But before I speak about God, let me give you some examples. The United States has how many states? Fifty. And there has been talk for a number of years of making the District of Columbia the 51st state. In a country, let's say, like Kenya, which has eight provinces, a country like Uganda has about 80 districts, four major political subdivisions. South Africa has nine provinces, three capitals. 11 official languages, England, almost three dozen counties, where I'm from, Barbados, 11 parishes, where my parents are from, St. Lucia, just about the same number of parishes. Now, if Barbados were to send some fishermen over to St. Lucia on a rowboat and overthrow St. Lucia, then St. Lucia would be part of Barbados or vice versa. Expansion of territory is something nations desire, but an activity that has been restricted because of the present mood in the world. Now, God also desires to expand his territory. A few years ago, not that long ago, the prayer of Jabez was a fad that swept churches. Everyone was saying the prayer of Jabez, expand, enlarge my territory and like so many fads that sweep through the church that has passed but God I say again 
is desirous of expanding his territory. God is looking for the 51st state. Now, Ellen White writes in Bible Commentary, Volume 1, page 1081, paragraph 2, God created the world to enlarge heaven. Are you with me? Let me say that again. God created the world to enlarge heaven. God was engaging in territorial expansion when he made the world. I need to extend and enlarge the influence of heaven. Let me develop a colony of heaven and I will call it earth. Now, if we found out that there is an island somewhere smack in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And they had a constitution that is word for word like the Constitution of the United States. A system of government precisely, unvaryingly like the U.S. system. What would you conclude? That that is what? U.S. territory. God created the world to enlarge heaven. Now, how can you reasonably establish that biblically? Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 9, the Lord's Prayer, which we all know. And Jesus said, after this manner, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Now let's pause and reflect on a statement you and I have made hundreds of times, but perhaps have not reflected upon. Thy will be done on earth. Precisely the same way it is done in heaven. Now the will of God is his law. Psalm 40 verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. That which gave Christ delight to carry out was God's will, was God's law. Now God's law is the constitution of heaven. It is the constitution for the universe. When God made the earth, God gave the same constitution to this earth, to Adam to Eve, the governmental system on earth must be an extension of the governmental system in heaven. The moral standards on earth must be an extension of the moral standards in heaven. The behavioral standards on earth must be an extension of the behavioral standards in heaven because earth is an extension of heaven. Heaven has citizens. And I know some of them by name. Moses. Enoch. Name another man who's in heaven. Elijah. Name another man who's in heaven. Jesus Christ. Now he's also God. There are others that went up with Christ. We don't know their names. They are citizens in heaven who live by the heavenly constitution, who live by the universal constitution. And on this earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But you and I know something went wrong. 
In Genesis chapter 2, reading from verse 16, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We are introduced for the very first time to the use of the word command. The Lord God commandeth a man. It is the same word used for commandments further on. The Lord God commandeth the man. These are the first recorded words that Adam ever heard. The very first words according to the Bible account that Adam heard was a command. Or the words were a command. The Lord God commandeth the man. He didn't suggest... Let me pause and remind you of the three favors I want. Favor number one, would you kindly turn your cell phones off? I realize in every gathering of this size, there are a few benign rebels who will say, that man cannot tell me what to do. And I know that. But could you do it for God? Just turn your cell phones off. I witnessed someone sending, using the phone in the service this morning. And... Well, it distressed me, but what could I do? I'm not a policeman. Please, please, I'm asking for the sake of God, turn your cell phones off. Not on vibrate, I'm asking you, turn them off. Favor number two, pray for me while I speak. All you have to say, Lord, for Christ's sake, put your words in that man's mouth. And favor number three, I'd like you to think. Back to Genesis 2, verse 16, and the Lord God commanded. The very first words that Adam heard constituted a command required obedience somebody say amen for the word obedience now I know we don't like the word let me tell you why we don't like the word obedience Romans 8 verse 7 because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be the Bible tells us very clearly and very bluntly we are born with a nature that not only hates God not only hates his law but it cannot keep his law so we are born with a mind that naturally genetically instinctively and reflexively or oh, disobeys God obedience so God said, don't eat of this tree. You see, Adam was under probation. He had not yet gotten his full citizenship papers. He was under probation. This is no joke. Conflict and Courage, page 21, paragraph 5. Ellen White writes, God created man for his own glory. That after test and trial, the human family might become one with the heavenly family. It was God's purpose to repopulate heaven with the human family if they would show themselves obedient to his every word. Now we're talking about the 51st state. And there is a way that citizens live in heaven. And God requires that lifestyle on earth. Now, God made the earth to enlarge heaven. Let's call it the 51st state. What kind of citizen does God require to live in the 51st state? God created man for his own glory. That after test and trial, the human family might become one with the heavenly family. Why? Because the human family was merely an extension of the heavenly family as earth was an extension of heaven. It was his purpose 
to repopulate heaven with the human family. What an incalculable privilege. What an immeasurable uh, expression of love and privilege that God wanted to repopulate heaven. Now why repopulate? Because some of the population had been expelled. And God is a God of precision. God has a precise number of angels. He had some left. He needs to fill that void. And so it was his will to repopulate heaven with the human family. But notice the condition. If they would show themselves obedient to his every word. Now that's where God's word sticks in the craw of the average Christian. Because we have this attitude towards God. You cannot tell me. Finish it. What to do. Mm -mm. I will choose what I do. And what I don't do. You will not tell me. Give my life to you. You will not tell me how to interact with my girlfriend. You will not tell me about smoking and drinking. You will not tell me about drugs and illicit sex. You will not tell me what records to listen to or what CDs or whatever. You will not tell me, God. I will decide who do you think you are? Where do you come off telling me how to live? This is so for all human beings, but particularly among the young. You see, young people are at a stage where they're making decisions for themselves. That's why they have these crises with their parents. Yes, you need to learn to make your decisions, but you don't have the wisdom your parents have. I don't care if you're at Harvard, Princeton, University of Michigan, University of the Okefenokee. You don't have that wisdom. Because they've lived longer. But in that, in that maturation, in that development, as you learn to decide for yourself and you come up against the accumulated wisdom of your parents, there's conflict. We have the same problem with God. And so God said, of every tree of the garden, thou mayst freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That was a command. Now when Adam sinned, in Genesis 3 verse 9, the Bible says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Verse 11 of Genesis 3, Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? All God is saying, Did you do what I told you not to do? That's all he was asking him. Did you do? I said go right. You decided to go left. Why? And there are some Christians who will go left just because God says go right. For no other reason. Did you? Disobey. And when God was handing out the punishment... In verse 17, he said to Adam, Genesis 3, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, you listened to somebody else, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Let us modernize God's word, because you did exactly what I told you not to do. Now I've got to kick you out. Your wife will have children painfully. 
For the first time, maternal mortality becomes a reality of human condition. Sin, death, disease, poverty, crime, plagues, war, rape, abuse. Why? You did not do what I told you to do. This world is in some sense the devil's world. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 19, of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. When Adam sinned, he legally turned over the world to Satan. Now Jesus Christ on Calvary legally bought it back, but it is still under the control of Satan to some degree. Christ has not yet possessed it, but it is legally his on the basis of his death. Now Christ is coming back because there has been a catastrophe in the 51st state. What God had in mind originally is no longer the case. God intended a sinless, perfect, flawless world. And he will come back to fix the damage. But listen to me carefully, please. When God made the earth, he did not make people first. He made the world first. Then he made people. He did not ask Adam, do you want to be made? Adam opened his eyes, and there he was. Eve opened her eyes, and there she was in all her unspoiled beauty and glory. That's why God had to test them. In their sinlessness, he had to test them. Listen to me. They had to make a choice. Do you want to remain in this condition, pristine, untouched, unspoiled, without taint and contamination, do you want to remain in a condition of obedience to me, sinlessness, freedom? And their response was no, effectively. And so they chose sin. Now before Jesus Christ comes back, to fix the 51st state, this extension of heaven, this enlargement of the heavenly territory, before he comes back, he has to qualify the potential citizens of that state. And so in effect, God is saying, let me see who wants to be a part of that state. Who wants to live in a territory, an extension of heaven where the standard of living is no different from the standard for all created beings in heaven itself. Let me see who desires that kind of life because they have to demonstrate that desire now before I take the risk. I remember what happened, says God. I started with a perfect world and then put people in it and they messed up. Now I will start with perfect people. Then I'll make a perfect world. Somebody say amen. God is qualifying us for citizenship in the 51st state, an extension of heaven. And the qualification is obedience to his will. I said the qualification is obedience to his will. Is that the best you can do for obedience? Come on, say amen. Would you like to be a citizen of that state? 
Yes, what I do. Let me tell you what God requires biblically. You see, in God's system, there's no half and half. You're either for God or you're against God. Are you with me? You're either saved or lost, sheep or goat, wheat or tares. You go to heaven or hell. That's the way God functions. There's no neutrality with God. You cannot occupy a middle ground, uh, God on the left, Satan on the right, as you try to decide which has greater attractive offers. Mark chapter 12, reading from verse 28, the Bible says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Now let's pause. This is what it takes. Christ didn't say, thou shalt love the Lord with some of thy heart, some of thy soul and mind and strength. He said, all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy strength, all thy might. Now that's how some people engage in crime, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. That's how some gangbangers live, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. That's how some thieves live, with all their heart, with all their soul. That's how some con men live, with all their heart, with all their soul. But God says, now take that determination, turn it around, and serve me with all your heart. Don't discuss things with me. Do what I say. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the great Shema of the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. And thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. This is where Christ is quoting from. Now what gives God the right to make that demand? Because God loves you and me with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, with all his strength. You don't believe me? Take a look at Calvary. There are uncounted millions of miserable Christians. Not because they don't have enough money and more shoes, more rooms to put their dresses, more garages to store their antique cars. That's not why they're miserable. They are miserable for one basic profound reason and that is they have not made a full, complete and total surrender to God. And listen to me, until you and I do that, we cannot have peace of mind. You can't have it. Peace of mind comes with a total surrender to Christ. Testimonies to Southern Africa, page 48, paragraph 3, Ellen White writes, He demands nothing short of absolute surrender to Him. This is the qualification for citizenship in the 51st state because the constitution of that state is the constitution of heaven and that is God's law. He demands nothing short of absolute surrender to him. 
Patriarchs and Prophets, page 479, paragraph 2, the LMI tells us, God shut Moses out of Canaan to teach a lesson which should never be forgotten, that he requires exact obedience. What kind of obedience? Don't discuss the things with God when he tells you, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, just keep it holy. Ask him how, make a way for me, but don't discuss it, do it. Councils for the Church, page 268, paragraph 5, Ellen White writes, The history of God's dealings with his people in all ages teaches us that he demands exact obedience. Demands, I say, exact obedience. This is the condition of citizenship in the 51st state. Before God purifies it, he purifies us. Now some people say, how is it that there will be no more sin in the new world? Will God force us to be holy? No, we're making that decision now. Let me show you how determined some decisions are. They are so determined, they are unchangeable even by God. Revelation 16, where we find the seven last plagues. The seven last plagues constitute part of God's judgment without mercy. And I said without mercy. For the first time. God will pour out his wrath without mercy. And the seven last plagues are a part of that. Revelation 16. Let's look at plague number four. Verse eight. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And blaspheme whom? Blaspheme the name of God. Which had power over these plagues. And repented not to give him glory. Now here is God pouring out his wrath without mercy but these sinners have decided with such determination they will not serve God that even his worst plagues cannot change their minds are you with me let's look at plague number five reading from verse 10 of Revelation 16 my time is flying and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Here is God. He sends another plague, an expression of judgment without mercy and they refuse to change because their minds are made up. There is nothing you can do, God, they say, to change my mind. Now, you change that around. God needs a people who will tell Satan there is nothing you can do to turn me from God. That's the person who qualifies for a place in God's kingdom. Look at plague number 7, part of it, verse 21 of Revelation 16. And there fell upon men a great plague out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. A plague from heaven, hail, 100 pounds each stone. And men just cursed God because their minds were made up. Now God wants a mind made up to obey him. Makes no difference what you say and do. There's only one way to get along with God. That's to do what he says. <laughs> These amens are weak, weak, weak. Don't blame the food. These amens are weak, but uh, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> you responded with another weak one. There are some people who say, what God wants is, first, is relationship. 
Let me tell you something quickly. Obedience is a relationship. Are you listening to me? Obedience is a relationship. Disobedience is a relationship. Every human being has two relationships in the world. One with God, one with Satan. You have no choice. Now, you can decide the quality of the relationship. You cannot adjust the fact that you must have a relationship either with God or with Satan. Now, if your relationship with God is obedience, your relationship with Satan is hostility. When your relationship to God is let me do what I want, then your relationship with the devil is a handshake kind of benign. We are friends. Let me tell you something. There are people who are possessed by the devil. You would never know because they're calm, they're quiet, they're polite, they're, they're self-controlled, and they are 100% agents of the devil. Not all demon-possessed people roll on the ground and foam at the mouth. Are you listening to me? There may be agents of Satan in this place, calmly sitting with the Bible on their lap. Don't take your Bibles off your laps. I don't mean you. <laughs> Desire of Ages, page 466, paragraph 3. Every soul that refuses to give himself to God is under the control of another power. He is not his own. Mm-hmm. Every soul, she's not referring to those who've never heard of God. Every soul who deliberately, consciously, willfully refuses to give the life to Christ is under the control of another power. He or she is not his or her own. Mind, character, and personality. Book 1, page 13, paragraph 3. Satan takes control of every mind that is not decidedly under the control of the Spirit of God. Did you hear me? There's some of you like this. Listen to me. Bring this to the front. Don't try to sell it in the seat. God understands Psalm 103 verse 14. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. God knows that one of the experiences of dust is uncertainty, but you bring it to him. Don't keep it in that seat. Bring this, the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear, the dry mouth. Bring it to God. Tell God, I want to be a part of the 51st state, the extension of heaven, the earth made new. But the qualification for citizenship is a willingness to live by the Constitution. That's why when people become citizens of the United States, they have to swear an oath that they will defend the Constitution of the United States. You say to me, what do you mean by obedience without question? You just talk to the American soldiers in Iraq and Iran and wherever else they are, or any other soldier. When the commanding officer says, charge, they charge guns. They lose, they know they'll be shot. And the soldiers behind, they see those in front fall and they keep going that's obedience without discussion give that to God don't tell me you don't understand obedience if you're in a gang you don't question the orders of the head of the gang you'll be killed so when the gang says go knock off a liquor store you go that's obedience God says bring that to me I don't have time for soft sermons I just don't 
I don't mean to offend you, discourage you, or cause you any inconvenience or agony, but I have to tell you what is straight. No disobedient person walks through the pearly gates, not one. Disobedience drove Adam out. Disobedience returns us to that glory land. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 49, paragraph 2. Obedience, perfect and perpetual, was the condition of eternal happiness. Upon this condition, he was to have access to the tree of life. Obedience, perfect and perpetual. Perfect all the time. Now, what is it you know God wants you to do? You won't do it. That's disobedience. Stop disobeying God. Stop rebelling. Just lay it down and give that life to God 100%. Because God gave Christ, he gave everything. Do you realize if Christ had not worked out, God did not have another plan? Do you understand that? Those of you who apply to medical schools, you apply to six and seven and eight. If you don't get into number one, you get into number six. That's a backup plan. God had no backup plan for Christ. That is giving all. That is going for broke. As we say in the United States, that's bungee jumping without a rope. Now he says to you, right now, come, make a decision to obey me through the power of Christ. Hmm? The only way to obey God is through Jesus Christ. It's his life working through us. But the surrender must be complete. You don't serve God on layaway. You surrender and you grow. But the surrender must be total. And I want you tonight to make a decision to give your life to Christ. 100%. What did I say? 100%. That's how I'd say it. What did I say? You say it. You say it. Where over there? Where over here? Where in the back? One, oh, the back was the loudest. One hundred percent. Now, I need some people with guts. Apologies to my friends in Australia. They don't like the word guts. They prefer gumption, but I'm talking to you guts. I want the young people first. Listen to me. You know in your heart, you are partially surrendered to Christ, which is no surrender. And you will say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I give my life to you tonight 100% because I want to be a citizen of the 51st state. The world made new. That world you made to enlarge heaven. I want to be a part of it. And so I am giving my life to you. And by giving it to you, I make you responsible for me. Now, how many of you will make that commitment tonight? Let me see your hand. Don't look around. If you raise your hand, stand up. Young people, young men, young women, stand up quickly. Stand up. There's one thing a preacher cannot do, and that is judge people's sincerity. I have to take you at your word. If there's someone listening to me, you've left God. I never said you left the church. You're always in church, but you've left God. You know you've left God. 
You have drifted, but you want to come back seriously, sincerely, and say to God, by your abiding grace, I am coming back and will not leave you again. Is there someone like that? It can apply to all of you. You know you have drifted from God far away. But Father, I'm coming back, and by your sustaining grace, I will not leave again. Is there someone like that? You know you've drifted. Come, I want you to come. Come quickly. Time running out. Come fast. You know you've drifted. Come. And by the power of Christ, I will stay with my Savior. I will not lose the opportunity to be a part of the 51st state, the enlargement, the expansion of heavenly territory. I want to be a part of it. The foundation for admission, obedience to the will of God, a total surrender of the life. Come. Be serious. I'll pray it and I'll let you go. Be serious. Please be serious. Total surrender. You have drifted. You're coming back. That's what you're coming for. The rest of you standing, the life is given to God entirely. This is not a spectator sport. Don't just gaze. Pray that hearts will be softened. Total surrender. The same rebellion you have against God, use it against the devil and be obedient to God. Someone else. And as I say goodbye to our audiences at home because our time is moving, may God bless you as you also make a total surrender of your life to Jesus Christ. Anyone else? While I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, who lived an obedient life, who obeyed your will from the heart, who delighted to obey you, I pray, Father, that you'd grant your spirit, the sustaining, powerful, omnipotent spirit, grant him to everyone who has responded by standing or coming, that the decisions they've made to deliver their life over to you entirely, the decisions they've made to come back from drifting and to remain with you forevermore by your grace, dear God, confirm that decision, seal that decision, I pray, help us to understand that a partial surrender to God is no surrender. Help us to understand because of your love, you require total surrender because that's how you gave for our salvation. Please, dear God, hear this humble prayer. Strengthen your sons and daughters who've come and let them walk day by day in your grace and save us all that one day we may be citizens of the 51st state, the expansion of heavenly territory. I offer this prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Let all God's people say amen and amen. God bless you. Recommit yourselves tomorrow. And if you wake up the day after, recommit yourself again. It must be a daily experience. You will experience peace of mind and God will bless you. Give yourself to God. How much? 100% that you and I may be citizens of the 51st state. God bless you from my heart. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org